Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, in this week on our sort of grab bag topic on Thursdays, we're going to cover something sort of related to the doctrine of sin, and it's this question of why do Christians still sin? Why is this still a struggle for Christians? If everything we said on yesterday's episode about us being reconciled to God, justified, sanctified, that we have uh, all this new uh, life in us, then why do Christians still sin? Why is that even a thing? And to answer that question, we're going to look primarily at Romans chapter 7 today, although there are many places in Scripture that we could go to to discuss this question and to answer this question. So this is by no means an exhaustive answer, but I think it is going to give us a little bit of an insight, just enough to sort of give a satisfactory answer to the question of why do Christians still sin and why do they still struggle with sin? So In Romans chapter 7, in the first six verses, we basically see this idea that before Christ, it was, to use Paul's analogy, it was like we were married to sin because he uses this marriage analogy. And so he's sort of angling for this idea that like before you were married to sin and and by this idea of being married, especially in this culture, you you aren't simply free to just go and marry another person once you're married. One of you has to die in order for that bond to be broken. And in the same way, Paul is saying that basically we're married to sin, meaning in order to get out of this relationship, this entanglement that we have with sin, we have to die. There really is no other way to get rid of sin. But because of Christ, and this is where things get sort of interesting, we are made new creatures. Literally, we are different. And our old man as it were, is literally dead, according to Romans 7, 6. So because our old man is actually dead from God's perspective, we are now free to serve God. We're no longer married to sin. We don't have to sin. The fact that we choose to still at times is a different question, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to establish this idea that before a person is basically reconciled to God, if they're married to sin, that is a bond that they cannot break outside of death. And because of that, there is sort of this inevitability to sinning. You you have to sin and you really can't do anything about it. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone does everything that they're thinking of all the time, that people aren't as bad as they could be. That's clearly not the case. But what it does mean is that Our fundamental orientation is toward sin and that we will inevitably sin. We do inevitably sin. And I would just point to our own experience as people if we need any proof that that is the case. And so if we move on here into verses 7 through 13 of Romans 7, whereas we had to sin before, why is that? Why did we have to sin before? Well, Paul gives a couple reasons. He says, first of all, that the law, the law of God, triggers rebellion and disobedience. It's almost like 
if you have children or if you can think even to your own experience where being told what not to do, not don't touch that sign, don't walk on that grass, don't don't uh, touch that uh, glass window or whatever, it, it triggers in us something that just makes us want to do it even more. It's like if you hadn't told me not to do it, I probably wouldn't have given it a second thought. But now that you told me not to do it, man, I just really want to do it. And, and Paul is making that point and he's drawing on that sort of universal human experience that that is what God's law does in us because of our sinful orientation. This doesn't mean that the law is bad. God's law is good, but it triggers in us this sinful desire. It, it, it doesn't mean that the law is bad that we respond this way. It means we are bad. <laughs> it, it means that the problem is not with the law. The problem is with us because uh, that ought not to be the response to God's good law, but for us it is. And so that ought to tell us that there's a fundamental flaw within each of us, that you and I are just not right in some ways. We're not good because of this sort of reflex that we have. And so through Christ, though, our inward man, which is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 4.16 and in Colossians 3.10, for example, our inward man, our spiritual man, our, our spirit is now reborn. And that part of us, the, the core immaterial part of who we are, is now oriented toward God. Whereas before it was oriented away from God, we were enemies of God, it was oriented toward sin. Now our inward man is oriented toward God through Christ. And so that means now I don't have to sin because my inward man is literally a different person. I'm a new person. And that old me, the, the me that didn't want anything to do with God, he's dead. So now with the rest of the chapter, we sort of get into the, the crux of why then do Christians still sin if our new man is oriented toward God? Well, in verses 14 through 25, we see the problem. The problem is that even though our inward man, our spiritual man, is reborn and oriented toward God, our outer man isn't. Our flesh, literally our body, still houses sin. And that still has fleshly sinful desires. And so Paul says the Christian is literally at war with his or her own self until that flesh dies. That the flesh is sort of the last vestige of sin within us as a new man, and we are basically trapped within it for the remainder of our earthly lives. But as depressing as that might sound, the, the actual praise in all of this, the, the cool thing is that that isn't forever. Uh, our, in the grand scheme of eternity, in fact, it's for a very, very short amount of time that Jesus not only died to redeem our inner man and to reorient us toward God so that we might have fellowship and, and reconciliation with him, but because he rose from the dead and he conquered death and he ascended with a new body fit for eternity, he is the first fruits of that resurrection, as the, the New Testament says. 
that we will follow someday. And so part of the victory of Jesus is not just over uh, the the spiritual uh, issue that we have, but also even the very physical bodies we have. That the New Testament teaches that someday those who are in Christ will have new bodies. And these new bodies will not be like our fleshly bodies in that they will have no orientation towards sin. There will be no sinful or fleshly inclination in them whatsoever. And these will be bodies that not only are fit to last forever, but are also fit to be in union with our inward man, which has already been oriented toward God. And in the same way, our outer bodies will likewise one day also be just as oriented toward God. And so in the life to come, when it is all said and done, we will not sin because nothing in us will have that desire or that orientation. But for now, we are fundamentally at war and it is a struggle. And it's a struggle that we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, win and we can overcome, but it is a struggle nonetheless. And so in, in a short answer, that is why Christians still sin because we still have a flesh. Uh, but Thanks be to God that it will not be forever. It won't even be for very long in the grand scheme of eternity.